Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. We're so delighted to, to have you with us today and just talking about some of the things that used to be common sense and, and no longer seem to be in our country. You know, instead of all the mudslinging and the cultural wars, uh, the American people really need some solutions to what's going on right now. We need to come together. We need to really be the United States of America instead of the divided states. And yet you see all kinds of forces every single day aimed at dividing the population, at creating more conflict, creating more chaos. Sometimes you wonder, what's up with all that? You know, Americans and their communities are facing so many challenges these days. Just filling your gas tank. You know, putting food on the table. So many people who were planning to retire, you know, their 401k has become a 201k. You know, they're not going to be able to retire now. And, uh, you know, it is really a problem. People worried about safety. Just going downtown or going to a movie, going to a restaurant. And we used to feel that we were safe. And now there's so many people who worry about things like that. All these hardships and uncertainties can seem overwhelming. And how many times have you heard people say, what's happening to us? What's happening to our country? Do we have a chance? Is there a way that we can possibly turn this around? And there are plenty of people who can find things to criticize, but we don't see a whole lot of people coming up with a lot of solutions, do we? And that's why I've invited on the program today a good friend, a great patriot, an incredibly smart historian, the former Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. I know you all know who I'm talking about now, Newt Gingrich himself. And uh, he's got a new book out. It's called Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. And it couldn't be more timely because what are we all concerned about right now? thinking that we're on the brink of maybe turning into something else. Speaker Gingrich, uh, in your latest book, you identify belief in big government socialism as a root cause of many of the crises in America today. 
can you first tell us what big government socialism is and how this ideology is taking over some of our critical institutions? No, first of all, I just want to say that it's a great honor to be with you. As you know, uh, Callista and I have long regarded you and Candy as good friends and as, as remarkable people who've achieved great things uh, far beyond politics. The lives you saved as a surgeon, uh, the example you've been to the community has been remarkable at every level. So it's a privilege for me uh, to be able to be with you and to be able to have this conversation. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Well, uh, I, I would say that, first of all, big government socialism is a belief that the rest of us are inadequate, but that elites can dictate to us uh, how we could be perfected. Uh, and I believe in the use of the power of government to force us into the changes that we might not make ourselves. Uh, they, uh, it's, it's ultimate roots go back uh, to the Bolsheviks in 1917 into the idea that you have these imperfect people that can only be perfected by the state uh, and that somehow you've got to break down all of traditional society and then reshape people into a new model. And it's combined both with just the large bureaucratic state, but it's also combined with a set of values that, that permeate not just government, but the news media, uh, the academic world, and increasingly our biggest corporations. So you have, for example, Disney, which has taken a huge economic hit by adopting a series of policies that people just reject. And they walk off and say, no, I mean, if that's the movie you're going to make, I'm not taking my child to it. And Disney lost an immense amount of value in, in the stock market didn't seem to affect their leadership at all because they are on a almost a, a, a semi-religious moral mission to improve us at any cost. Uh, and I, I think ironically this summer you had uh, far and away the most successful movie. Almost half of the sales this summer have been for uh, Top Gun Maverick, which turned out to be a very patriotic, very traditional uh feel-good movie about America as a good country that wins. And yet, in Hollywood, they kind of shrug it off, you know, and think, well, that's, that's strange. I wonder why people did that. Or they say, yeah, that's what all those, those weird people out there want to see, but it's not what we want to make. Uh, and I think that, that uh, and of course, you've lived this in your own life. I mean, you, you've been a university professor. Uh, you, you, up, you, you, know, you led the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, you've been a candidate for president. So you've seen at every level. And, and, the, and the work you're doing to educate children is just unbelievably important. Because what, what's fascinating to me, and it's a point that uh, I was very struck uh, with, I did a show with Mark Levin. And Levin just broke in to say how excited he is that parents are finally saying, I've had enough. And whether it's homeschooling or it's working with Cornerstone programs or it's working with Prager University or it's going to alternative schools, uh, that there's a, a sudden refusal to assume that the only choice you have is a, a unionized government school 
dominated by people who want to teach weird left-wing values. Mm-hmm. And I think you're seeing this happen across the board. So I wrote um, the, my new book, uh, Defeating Big Government Socialism, to make the case that we don't just, you know, we're probably going to beat the Democrats on, on just sheer performance. I mean, we're talking on the day when the inflation rate came out at 9.1%. Unbelievable. You know, I think at that point, if you're a normal, everyday American, you know, you know that's hitting it. I, I was telling Felicity a while ago that uh, when they broke it down, it, it turned out that uh, I think it was eggs, for example, went up 33% in the last year. Well, you take what's happened to the price of gasoline, all of a sudden, normal, everyday people can't afford the fantasies of these left-wing groups. And that, so I think we're going to win a performance election, but that's not enough. We need to win the argument that these things aren't working because their policies and their values are wrong. And that anytime, every time we've tried their particular approach, it's failed. It's a reason that Jimmy Carter's inflation and Jimmy Carter's gas prices look an awful lot like Joe Biden's inflation and Joe Biden's gas prices. Absolutely. Uh, there's a reason that weak policies on crime in the 1970s led to results that are amazingly like weak policies on crime today. And I think we need to win the idea argument. This is something I first heard you talk about, I think, at a prayer breakfast about, gosh, 19, I mean, 2008 or 2009. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the ideas we have to win on, yes. not just the current temporary period of, of Joe Biden looking cognitively impaired. Well, don't we have a, a, a significant problem with our, our young people who perhaps don't even understand socialism? I, I sometimes get the impression that they think socialism is being conversant about social media. I don't think they actually know what it actually is. Right. And, uh, well, you know, is is it, you know, they point us to the Scandinavian countries and they say they have socialism and it works very nicely. But I don't think they really take into consideration the fact that in Sweden and the various uh, Scandinavian countries, they have free market policies in those countries that play a big role in what happens. And it's it's not the Marxist uh, model of socialism that has killed many people and destroyed their lives and dominated them uh, that you see in a place like Venezuela, which... Uh, well, what, what we found, we we're running a project called the American Majority Project, and we've done tons and tons of polling and focus groups. And part of what we found was when you tie big government to socialism, those three words, support for socialism totally collapses. Mm. So you go because young people instinctively understand that big government doesn't work. And so it goes from being the nice, soft thing that their teacher told them about to suddenly being, you mean we're going to try to implement it with that? And people just realize these huge bureaucracies are a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they don't deliver. They can't perform. Uh, life gets worse. Uh, and, of course, you saw a lot of that uh, when you were the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Yeah. Huge layers of paperwork, huge layers of bureaucracy, trying to move the machine so it was focused on the very people we're trying to help. 
was an enormous challenge. Well, you probably uh, know Bernie Sanders. Uh, he doesn't make any secret of the fact that he's a socialist. Um, and yet, in 2020, 70% of millennials said that they would vote for a socialist uh, presidential candidate. For the Gen Xers, it's close to 50% that said they would. And I don't get the impression that they recognize that the lifestyle that they enjoy is a result of capitalism, uh, not socialism. Uh, how, how, do we, how do we reach those people, do you think? Well, I think that's the purpose of political campaigns. That's why I'm, I'm so uh, deeply committed to my new book, because I believe this campaign has to be an educational campaign. Uh, you, you have a chance to get everybody's attention. Everybody's in pain. Uh, I don't care whether you're a millennial. I don't care what your age is. You go out and you fill up your tank. Um, Callista filled her car up today. It was $111. Now, at $111, we have her attention. And I think we have the attention of lots of young people when they go to the grocery store, etc. And I think this is a conversation, a civic conversation, you have to start with the idea. The schools got to be so bad that they became a huge problem. And therefore, the people they produced, the students they graduated, believe things that simply aren't true. And they have to overcome that by having an opportunity to talk directly to them. And, and the, the most open place in America, frankly, is a campaign. Ronald Reagan proved you could reach all sorts of people who people thought were not paying attention. Republicans have discovered in the last few years, for example, that Latinos are now more inclined to be Republican than graduate school level whites. Now, that, that's a revolution in the political structure of the United States. Uh, and that sort of thing is continuing. We have a larger potential among the African-American community, I think, than probably any time since before 1932. No, that's absolutely correct, because I, I used to go to conservative uh, gatherings, and I would be the only blackface now, and that's not the case anymore. Now there are a lot of them. And I, I think people are actually starting to wake up, look at what has happened historically, and integrate that with what's going on now and project that into the future. And I think it, it portends well, uh, certainly for many in the minority communities. I'm just hoping that a lot of these uh, suburbanites who uh, went to you know, prestigious schools and got indoctrinated are also starting to wake up and, and recognize that, you know, we live in an amazing country. And, you know, in order to fundamentally change this, what the left has to do is create dissatisfaction with the model that we have now. And uh, so what do they do? Anything that creates more chaos. And you can see it, it's almost on a daily basis, more chaos. It's like the Cloward Piven model. You know, if you got so many things going on, <laughs> you can't really concentrate on any one thing. And we somehow have to get the American people to, to recognize what's going on. And I agree with you. Campaigning, talking to large groups of people, uh, 
persistently getting that message out, I think, is making a difference. And what has been so encouraging to me is everywhere I go around the country, I see so many parent groups who are now getting out there and getting involved because they're concerned about the indoctrination that's going on in our schools. And, uh, you know, that's obviously why we created the Little Patriots program and we're working with lots of other groups because we have got to be just as aggressive when it comes to planting the correct seeds as they are. You know, as, as Vladimir Lenin said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. Well, we've got to be just as aggressive as they are in sowing those seeds and watering them and being courageous about them. And, and, and you know, when it comes to courage, I don't, I don't know if anybody in the political sphere is more courageous than you are um, and have put forth a lot of things that maybe didn't seem popular at first, but proved to be extremely good. How, how were you, you? You saw the country was veering off, you know, a couple of decades ago in a very bad direction. And you came up with an actual plan uh, that became very popular, uh, a contract for America. Uh, how were you able to, to withstand those headwinds? Well, I, I think I really draw my, my political approach back to Lincoln uh, when he said we, we are for government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And if you believe that, and, and I had worked with Ronald Reagan starting in 1974, and Reagan understood that. Reagan's great strength. And, you know, Reagan thought of himself as a citizen. He didn't think of himself as a Republican. Uh, he had been a Democrat. He had actually supported Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Harry Truman. Um, and I think that, that he, uh, he always spoke and said to my fellow Republicans and to those independents and Democrats who share our values. So he, he always tried to be inclusive. And I had watched Reagan, uh, and Lincoln had done the same thing in 1859 and 1860 and 61, lay out a program that people could understand. There, there's a principle I'd learned from, from Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, that first you win the argument, then you win the vote. Well, that means you've got to know enough to make the argument. And so... We created an argument, and, and we, were, we, we drew it from the heart of the American people. This is actually the old basis of our program on the American Majority Project, which people can see at AmericanMajorityProject.com. And that is, uh, when you go to the American people, they will tell you what they believe. For example, they overwhelmingly believe in the work ethic, and they overwhelmingly believe that the current system of giving people money for doing nothing is profoundly wrong. Uh, it's, it's not just wasteful. Uh, it, it, it teaches really bad habits. Uh, it it uh, cripples people's lives. It encourages corruption. Uh, and so you can campaign on welfare reform, which is very deep, bitterly opposed by the left. Um, people believe overwhelmingly, about 83%, that parents have the right to know what is being taught to their child. Now, the teachers' union bitterly opposes that. Uh, but that you, uh, the Reagan tradition was find a 70 or 80% issue and stand next to it. 
Now, your opponents either got to agree with you, in which case they're in your shadow, or they've got to run over and be on the 15 or 20 percent side. And so I think that the, the key this fall is going to be for Republicans not just to be anti-Biden and not just to be anti-inflation, but lay out a common sense, no more than 10 big ideas, commitment to things that over, that over the next year they will implement. And I think that the country will respond eagerly because the country wants to see a, a positive future. The, the country wants things solved. I mean, when, when you can't afford to buy gasoline, uh, I remember when, when we were at the, at the peak of the baby formula shortage and a woman who had said, you know, I have to go to three or four different stores to find the baby formula and I can't afford the gasoline to go to three or four stores. Uh, that's when you know that the compounding effect of, of how bad big government socialism uh, begins to hit right at the heart of people's lives. They don't just want rhetoric. They don't want conservative versus liberal. They don't want Republican versus Democrat. They want to know, what are you going to do so that my life will be better, so that my problems will be solved? And I think a Republican Party which responds to that could win a, a surprisingly big victory. And we'll be right back with more from Speaker Newt Gingrich. Stay with us. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back with uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, Speaker, I was just wondering, is there, you think, some correlation between what they're trying to do with our children and trying to move us towards socialism? You know, we, we, we have gender confusion. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about bringing drag queens into the schools and exposing the children to, I mean, it's, it's almost like we lost our minds. Is, is there some correlation there? Well, let me say, first of all, I think what you're describing is crazy. I think lost our minds is a, is a pretty good title. This, this goes beyond politics. Uh, these are people who, are, who believe in a semi-religious belief system that is totally destructive of our values. Um, and I think it's, it's a enormously dangerous. They understand, and they've had a, a very long commitment, 
to try to control the schools because they believe uh, that, that all of the things you and I would value are a threat to their worldview. So uh, I have a poster on my wall that we got when Callista and I made a movie about John Paul II, and we were filming in Poland. And uh, the people at Solidarity, who were the great union who had stood up against communism, gave me a poster from that period, from 1981, that says, for Poland to remain Poland, two plus two must always equal four. And what they were saying was that anytime you break away from reality, that the Soviet state was exactly like 1984 in George Orwell's novel. The Soviet state said, if we tell you 2 plus 2 equals 5, it equals 5. If we tell you 2 plus 2 equals 3, it equals 3. And what the, what the Poles were saying was, no, there is an objective reality. Well, the left's core value system hates objective reality. They want to identify to an emotional narrative which they will define. And so they think it makes perfect sense to teach a seven-year-old white girl that she's the product of white privilege, which is a purely racist concept. They think it makes perfect sense to have third graders uh, get involved in discussions about uh, transgender policies uh, and about what their sexuality is. They think it makes perfect sense to abolish and, and by the way, in a number of states, particularly on the West Coast, you have departments of education at the state level that want to abolish uh, requiring math to have single answers. Because a single answer means there's a right and a wrong. And if there's a right and a wrong, the student could be wrong. And if the student's wrong, they'll feel bad. So I wonder if those people would uh, like to go up in a rocket ship designed by somebody with that philosophy. Oh, they, they would tell you on the surface, yes, because it would be a spiritually enhanced rocket ship. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just your, your point earlier, when these people are out of their minds, they're crazy. Uh, I, I, I often tell people that if you want to understand what's happened in terms of violence in the cities or violence dealing with terrorism or dealing with uh, threats from overseas, imagine that these liberals saw The Lion King and thought that it was a documentary. And so they actually believed that lions and zebras sing and dance together. And we try to explain to them that lions eat zebras, and they think that's a sign of how mean, how mean we are. Right. Because you know, we're, we're sort of you know, defaming the lions because no good lion would eat a zebra. Uh, and you have to look at these people. This is a mental health problem not a political ideology problem. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that we got there so quickly. Um, I mean, this has been going on, obviously, for, for decades, but uh, it really has come to a head over these last couple of years in a very dramatic way so that people can actually see. When, when you look at the previous administration and you juxtapose it with this administration, it, it makes it very easy to see that policies make a difference in the quality of people's lives. Uh, and people used to always say, well, it doesn't matter, you know, who's in or who's out. You know, the, the system is almost automatic and it just will go on. Just like they say in, in terms of economics, you know, you have peaks and valleys and it's a natural phenomenon. 
and uh, it's not natural. Uh, it's that we have people who understand, and then we have people who don't understand in charge of the economy. And uh, I don't think anything's made that more clear than the last several years, and I, I think that's good. But what worries a lot of people, uh, myself included, is you get these people in the political arena who are eloquent in their speech, and there's a lot of allure. People say, yeah, I really like them. They're going to bring us peace. And, but it's a pattern that we've seen before with many Marxist countries where you get this enthusiastic, uh, very attractive leader. They come in, they, they gain support, and then they align themselves with the police and the military after they get rid of the guns or means that people have to defend themselves. Isn't that a pretty consistent pattern of, of how places are transformed? Yeah, it's a very consistent pattern. And it, in part, moves you from being a citizen to being a subject. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're a citizen, you can defend yourself. That's why the Second Amendment, which gives you the right to bear arms, was adopted by the Founding Fathers because they knew that if the American farmer had not had weapons, the British would have, in fact, crushed the rebellion in the first couple of weeks. And so they really believed, and, and they were quite clear, they believed that in order to protect your liberty, whether from your own government or from a foreign government, you had to have the right and the ability to protect yourself. The first thing that Hitler did, the first thing that Lenin did, the first thing that Mao did was take the guns. Yes. Because they understood that if they did not disarm you, that in fact you wouldn't tolerate uh, what they were about to do. And I think that's a grave danger for us here. Well, you know, I tell people all the time when I hear these arguments about uh, the people not having the right to certain weapons and certain ammunition. I said, uh, the Second Amendment is not about deer hunting or duck. It's about the ability of the people to defend themselves from an overly aggressive government. Because one of the things that really is fascinating to me as I study American history is how thorough our founders were in going back and analyzing what had happened throughout the history of the world with various governments. And they knew with the system that we were putting in place that a time would come in the future where uh, overly aggressive, domineering people would be in charge of the government. And that's why they made absolutely sure that our people had the right to defend themselves. And that's what the Second Amendment is all about. And if people have weapons, as you very adroitly state, the likelihood of the government trying to take over diminishes very significantly. Well, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating balance. The, the Founding Fathers wanted to create a government strong enough to defend us from foreign powers. But at the same time, they wanted a government limited enough that it couldn't control us. Now, if you think about it, that's a very it delicate is. balance. And they were very conscious about this because they knew 
that the natural tendency of government is to move towards dictatorship. Lord Acton captured it a century later when he said power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what you've been seeing happen, I, I think that the very threat of Trump's reforms, the scale to which Trump took on the entire system, led to a moment where uh, the left went through almost a catalytic conversion. Think of the way you can heat up a chemical and suddenly it coalesces. In a way, a half-century evolution of left-wing behavior, some of it sexual, uh, some of it environmental, some of it economic, uh, some of it about crime. I mean, all these little streams were all moving. And suddenly, when Trump won and Trump began to challenge their whole system, they came together. And when Trump lost, they came, it was, it's as though literally they all came out of the closet simultaneously. And they all said, you know, we can now really be who we are. Uh, and they had in Biden a weak enough president that he allowed them to all show up and they allowed them to claim offices. And you have the weirdest, most out of touch with reality group of administrators mm -hmm. in American history. Uh, and, you know, that's probably a politically incorrect statement. But it's true. I um, mean, if you actually go through who, who, who they've appointed, these are people who don't have much touch with the real world. It is really shocking how, how rapidly it has all occurred. But uh, we're going to have to take another quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with our last segment with uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back again with uh, Speaker Gingrich. You know, there are obviously a lot of problems that we talked about. I want to thank you personally for writing this book, for laying it all out, talking about so many things, including what's happening in corporate boardrooms with ESG, talking about what's going on in our universities uh, with the indoctrination. But what I think would really... Uh, help our audience right now. Of course, you speak about it extensively in the book, but uh, let's cheat a little bit. 
And uh, what can individual citizens do rather than just sit back and wring their hands and say we're losing our country? Well, I mean, first of all, I think we need to make citizenship more than just voting or not voting. I think that what you're doing is a good example. Every parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle who's willing to get involved in the Little Patriots program, uh, everyone who is willing to take time, for example, to take their family on a historic trip to go look at the sites that have made America great, everyone who is prepared to be involved in their community. The greatest bulwark against big government is strong communities, strong neighborhoods, uh, strong churches, and strong synagogues, so that people can, it's more than just being a voting or not voting or being in a campaign or not. There are a thousand opportunities in citizenship. Uh, Alex de Tocqueville wrote about this in the 1830s and said, Americans have this amazing association approach that they just go create things, they go do things. And so I would say that learning about your country, learning about the issues, uh, looking around at people that you can talk with, uh, developing mutual projects that are helpful, all of these things can be done. And, and most of them don't involve an election or don't involve a particular aspect of government. They're just called citizenship. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the, the left seems to hate our history. And they seem to want to get rid of our history. But, of course, our history gives us our identity, which gives us the basis of our beliefs. And we have had some moral failings in the past, as has every society that's inhabited by human beings, <laughs> because human beings are inherently imperfect, and they do imperfect things. But would you comment on the fact that the left says that our imperfections are the reasons that we are inherently racist, inherently bad, and why we need to sort of erase the slate and start over with something that is truly good and fair and equitable to everybody. You know, I, I ended up in my journey to try to understand the mess we're in, really digging into the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, and in particular the role of Lenin. And what I discovered was that they were a very small minority, and they arrived determined to take over the country, determined to break down all of the institutions, the church, the peasant societies, the aristocracy, the military, all of it, in order to then build a new Soviet model uh, of the, the ideal person. And they probably believed this. I mean, they, these were fanatics, but they were probably sincere fanatics. And so they began a process that, that really didn't end until the late 1930s. And in the process, they killed tens of millions of people. You had a similar experience with Mao in China, uh, who was going to create a new China. Well, the cost of that new China was probably 50 or 60 or 70 million people. Mao probably killed more people than any other dictator in the 20th century. What you have are people like AOC, uh, or for that matter, Elizabeth Warren, who have this vision of some magic perfection. And then, you know, you, you take them 
and I've never understood this. I mean, you take him to a place like San Francisco, where you literally are walking past human feces, uh, you're walking past syringes from drug use, you're walking past homeless, mm -hmm. and this is their idea of utopia. I mean, this is their heaven on earth. And of course, the classic lesson of all the major religions is there is no heaven on earth. That humans are all imperfect, and the most you can do is create an opportunity uh, towards greater perfection, mm -hmm. but not an opportunity that achieves perfection. I think they hate America because America has liberated more people from more backgrounds than any society in history. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can come to America today from Nigeria or from China or from Guatemala, and you will probably end up with a better life almost overnight. But somehow that's not good enough, and it's really a fight over power. They want power. And so they have concocted a belief system and a set of demands and a set of attacks to give them power. That's what this is really all about. Absolutely. I just want to close uh, by asking you a little bit about the American Majority Project, how this project relates to the book, and what you're learning from these discussions. Well, we, we were approached uh, by Bernie Marcus back in 2017-18. And Bernie, who I'd known for many years in Georgia, founder of co-founder of Home Depot, he knew that I'd worked with Reagan in the great victory of 1980 and that we had developed the contract in, in the first Republican House in 40 years, in 1994. And he said, is there a way to find issues that bring Americans together so that you could actually build a large governing majority of Democrats, Republicans, and independents so you could actually have a stable system that for two or three generations could get things done because we have real challenges and we're not meeting those challenges. And we have real competitors in China, Russia, and elsewhere. And so I said, yeah, I think, I think you can. But as I said earlier to you, I really passionately am a Lincoln Republican. Uh, I, I really, as Lincoln once said, God must love the commoners because he made so many of them. Uh, and I, Lincoln, I think, totally believed in government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It was probably the, the most carefully attuned to public opinion of any president we've ever had. Uh, long before the time when there were public opinion polls, he, did a ver he stayed in touch with people on an enormous scale. With modern technology, with, with opportunities, we developed uh, relations with several pollsters. We also developed an in-house ability to do lots of focus groups, because I don't just want to go out to people with a set of questions we've come up with. I want to go out to people and ask them, what do you think? How do you respond to something? Do you think America is essentially a good country or a bad country? And whichever way you answer, why did you answer that? What does it mean to you? Uh, and we have found, we've now done, and all of this is available, by the way. If you go to AmericanMajorityProject.com, we have hundreds of hours of material that's available to everybody, Democrat, Republican, Independent, because our goal is an American majority, not a Republican majority, not a conservative majority. And we found, my, my favorite example 
is if you ask people, do you agree with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. that it is the content of your character, not the color of your skin, that really matters? That is a 91 to 6. Now, that means you can, you can have a conversation that starts about race. And if you begin with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s statement, your opponent has to try to break out of a focus on, on content, which is precisely what you've been doing in your program to teach young people. Uh, can we grow their character as opposed to can we build racial divisions? And that's why this, this entire left-wing approach is so totally backwards. It is essentially the new racism. Uh, it's not growing people's character. It's not growing an understanding of who we should be as good people. It's trying to divide us up and maximize Absolutely. our stuff. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for being with us today. It's a great honor to have you on the program. We do hope that people catch your enthusiasm and catch your patriotism. And uh, please go out and get a copy of this book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. You know, saving our future is up to us. No one except us. We get to decide. But we have to be informed. And this book is a great way to get that information. So, Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for being with us. And we'll look forward to being with you many times. Good. Look forward to it. Thank you, Ben. And we'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, I hope you enjoyed our time with uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich. He had some great insights and some good suggestions. You know, Ronald Reagan once said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Uh, and what we've seen over the last couple of years, we can see that that's definitely true. And uh, why we have a real duty to get involved. We need to make sure that we maintain freedom in this country for those who are coming after us. There's so many who came before us who sacrificed so much 
so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. And, you know, I hope that, uh, that you'll read the book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. And let me leave you with our common sense prescription for the week. You know, there are so many of us who are perplexed and worried about what's going to happen in our country. But in our homes, in our churches, our neighborhoods, our schools, we all have influence. We all have spheres of influence that we can use in a very effective way. And I encourage you to find a cause in your community that resonates with you and get involved in uh, fixing whatever needs to be fixed. Get your family involved, get your friends involved. You know, when we work together, it is amazing what we're able to accomplish. And never forget, this is America. We're not like everybody else and we shouldn't try to be like everybody else. Let everybody else try to be like us. You know, we are a nation whose money says, in God we trust. We are a nation where we teach people to love your neighbor. Let's remember that. We're a nation where people work together, where we have communities that become strong because we love each other and we work with each other. We don't try to cancel each other. We don't try to destroy each other's families. We don't try to create hatred and division. That's who we are as Americans. And that's why we have been the leader in the world. And let's remember that and let's maintain that. And I want you to make sure that uh, you subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, rate us, tell us, tell your friends about us, tell everybody about us. Let's keep this thing moving. We need lots of doses of common sense. And remember the cornerstone principles of faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.